Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. I am your host, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS license, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in the studio today, we have Mr. Chris Corbeau, the title guru from Midtown Title. How are you doing, sir? Man, it feels like forever since I've been here with you guys, so I'm so glad to be back hanging out with the uh, Money Man Mike crew. You've been all globetrotting on us, man. A little bit, a little bit. World working traveler. Word traveler, too. Uh, working, too, as well. So, Taking care uh, of business. Hey, you know, duty calls, and uh, you got to make sure you're you're there to uh, be there for folks. Absolutely, but dude. You guys have been holding the fort down, I hear, so been doing a great job. Absolutely. Andrew's been uh, keeping us all in check over here. Miss Andrew Brewer from Benchmark. Ho, ho, ho. I do try. I do try. Keeping us. That's right. (laughs) Talking about all this football stuff coming up because it's almost that time. I know. We just went straight from hockey to football. Yes. It's like weird. We we talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's like, dang, we're still playing hockey. Mm -hmm. It's June. Yeah, it was weird going to the hockey games yes. and wearing your shorts or whatever. It'd still be cold inside anyways, yeah, but, but still. it was strange coming out and it, it would be really warm warm out there. But yeah, a lot of people hopped on the hockey, uh, hockey bandwagon Bring this year, on. which was oh, yeah. great. It had a good impact on our city and, and we've been season ticket holders for a couple of years, so we've uh, we've, we've enjoyed uh, this. We missed the Stanley Cup Finals because we had planned vacation last year and mm-hmm. so we were gone the whole week of the Stanley Cup Finals, which really stunk we were in europe and uh i actually put a picture on my uh facebook page of my wife sleeping and i'm up at three o'clock in the morning listening to the hockey game on my phone and y'all uh, were representing i saw yes, a picture yes. where the whole family had it we did get the on. whole family and you'd be surprised how many people come over and talk to us and y'all from nashville you're from nashville i'm yeah. Yeah, yes yes we're from nashville and so yeah so it was it was really cool yeah did you guys see the statistic for the impact that the games made yeah, Nashville? 50 50 million bucks. Um so that's 50 million. That's a lot. Wow. And we lost. It, I think it was all yes. in beer sales. <laughs> yes. At the uh, yeah. hockey game. If so. you saw the news, then Man. it could have been beer sales. I saw something Rippies did something about um on a typical night with a Predators game, they sold like 14 or 1600 beers. But then on a Predators night, every bit of 4000 or more. Whoa! Just imagine, and yet just beer. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It was definitely something cool. I hope we get back to the finals sooner oh, rather absolutely. than Me too. later. And it was great for our city, and 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 you know everybody's talking about it everywhere. Everywhere. And, uh, so it's real. It's it's cool. We're gonna. I'm gonna be sad when the expansion draft happens and a couple of the players leave. But uh, okay. yeah, but you know, new day, next season, and uh, we'll be here before we know it. Absolutely. Time for some Titans football, though. Yes, thank you, Preds, for an outstanding year, and looking forward to next year. But, yeah, bring on some football, and can't talk about your War Eagles. Boo the, boo the Auburn boys. Whatever. <laughs> get, her, get her all fired up this morning. Hey, if you guys missed last week's show, man, you missed an outstanding show, but you can check it out on our website out at moneymanmike.net. Again, that's moneymanmike.net, or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio. We record everything, video, high def, put it out there. You have behind-the-scenes bloopers, some funny outtakes and everything else. And it was a great show, man. We talked about why rates are going to go up and when they're going to go up. We don't know exactly how much they're going to go up because, to be honest, if we had a crystal ball could tell you exactly what they're going to go up by, we wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today on the radio. Then we talked about 
working with a real estate professional, a local real estate professional, and why that's such an important thing. And then we got into our uh, new segment that we get into with uh, the industry lingo. And we're going to talk about that some more this week and pick up where we left off. But uh, before we get into all that, I want to go over a few things from last week because David just randomly, David Lukey from uh, Capital Homes, randomly asked just a question. And I want to get Chris's take on this before we dive into it. If you had the choice between a 30-year and a 15-year, and let's just say the rate difference is a half a point, would you take a 30-year and pay it like a 15, or would you take the 15-year and lock yourself into a 15-year payment? Take the 15-year. You would take a 15. Yeah, because most people aren't disciplined. House divided. Yeah. Most people aren't disciplined enough to make that. They're going to make just what they have to make, the payment-wise, regardless. I, Not me. I mean, I think I'd be disciplined enough to do it, but... Um, the average person, I don't think, is disciplined enough to make that well, payment. That's a good point, though. He kind of put a spin on it because he said if it was him, right. he would be disciplined enough to make that extra payment. Right. Which I'm the same way because when you know the money's good, the money's good, and I'm like just spending it, paying stuff down, knocking right. out any debt. Because right. but I think when, most people live on the budget. Okay, most people just like a car payment. They don't. I don't even know if most people know how much they they paid for their car. They know how much their payment is on their car. Right. Okay, so they're looking at a payment that fits into their budget, and they know every month they have to pay fifteen hundred dollars a month or whatever that is to do that. And so, I just don't think most people most people are disciplined enough to do that. They're just going to pay what they have to pay because that's what they can afford to pay. Especially in this market, you're having to buy. So maybe so much more than you're used to having to buy or other places around, and so you've already kind of stretched that budget to try to get into a property already. So the fact that you would, in my in personally for me, if me and my wife talk about this all the time, we're trying to get our house paid off. We went on a 15 year loan right. several years ago, and we're trying to get it paid off. But if things in our market turn bad and I can't afford it, I can always refinance out of that house refinance out and go to a longer term and lower the payment. But we know as long as we have to make that payment, we're going to have to make it and continue to pay the loan down. See, I like the safety net of the 30 myself. That way I can get the 30, pay it as a 15 or even sooner than that. And then, you know, times get tough, your income changes, then you're still good. You know, that's how I feel too. Do you you consistently pay that 15 year note though? Or do you just whenever it's, whenever you can, do you pay it? Well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with what you said. I think most people wouldn't, I'm a saver by nature. And if I had a 15-year note, I'd still pay it off sooner than that. That's just how I am. I don't, I don't like paying interest. <laughs> See, what, what you guys are discussing is why I wanted to bring this back up, because the one thing that you said, Chris, that you said two important things, and that's the first is something I touched on last week, is there's, there's really – there's no real broad-brush answer that you can apply that – that's applicable to everybody because everyone's situation is different. Yeah, and everybody saves and spends their money differently. Exactly. So to just say, hey, how would I answer that question? And I, I, I responded to David that way. I, it's a per-client um, uh, opinion that I give and advice that I give. And then the other is um, what happens if you lose your job or what happens if you can't make that 15-year payment? And when we get back from the break, I'm going to talk about that and, and what what obstacles does that create for refinancing to increase that payment to a 20 or back to a 30 year in case you can't make that 15 year payments. But we got to jump out to this break. And when we get back, we're going to pick this up. But you've been listening to the Money Man Mike show here with Chris Corbeau, Andrew Brewer, and I am your host, Michael Thayer. And we'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. Before the break, we were talking about would you prefer a 30 year or a 15 year if the rate difference was a half a point difference? And what would you take? And why would you take it? And Chris Corot made a comment of if something just, you know, let's say you lost your job or something became difficult financially and you couldn't make that. 15-year payment, you would just refinance to a 30-year. Well, the only problem with that is in the financial world, world, you don't have a job. If you don't have a job, you can't get a loan. Yeah, and you don't want to go late because if you're late on your house payment, that's another problem. So my best friend last year bought a new house, got married and bought a new house, and he consulted me about renting his house um, because the rental market's very good in Nashville, and I said, I think that's very good. Go ahead and rent a house. Um, But he's not great with money. Ah, and um, so I said, uh, the only way I would tell you to do that is to set minimum three payments aside. Go put it in an account yep. and lock it away and never do anything with it again. And if you can set three payments aside before you're ready to buy your house and then and, and to rent yours, then you do that because there's going to be a downtime when it's not generating revenue or something happens. Yep. you got to be able to make that payment. So I, I would tell anybody is if you're going to buy a house or whatever, set three payments aside somewhere you can't ever, ever touch it. Um, and then if you can't get a job within 90 days, you might need to consider selling the house at that point in time and, and going from there. But that's that was my advice to him, for better or for worse, is just set it aside. You have to save. You can't buy it. You should not be – my opinion is you should not buy a house if you absolutely have zero savings set aside uh, for the rainy day portion of that. A lot that's of people live pay to paycheck to paycheck. I get yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but um, it's just a little bit of preparation would take so much pressure off of you to uh, to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's outstanding advice. And there's really no right or wrong answer because everybody's situation is different. And my advice to every client is unique and different based on their situation. And, you know, I look at people and based on their saving habits, I can figure out if they're um, disciplined enough, like you were talking about, to make that 15 year to or to set aside the money and do it on the do it themselves. Well you see or, people's credit or you see how people pay their you see people's right. payment history. So what 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 do statistics tell you when you're looking at that information? We don't necessarily look at statistics, but we we take into the account of what else do they have going out? You know, do they have private tuition that they're paying that's outside of what we that reports to the credit report because there's all sorts of things that they're paying for, people pay for that doesn't necessarily show up on credit. So we talk to them about their situation and really just kind of get a good feel for what's going on. And I ran some numbers based on just this conversation that came up. And then I received some text after last week's show and a couple of emails with people that gained, basically had differences of opinions on this. Some people said, hey, I, I have a different opinion about the what you guys are talking about from a 30 versus a 15. I'd rather do the 15. I'm like, OK, I get that. I understand why. And then other people are like, no, I agree with taking a 30. I'd rather do a 30. And then another thing I got thinking about was, you know, when we refinance people, I don't ever want to reset them in a, you know, if they're in, if they started in a 30, I never put them back in a 30 unless they absolutely are adamant about going back to a 30 to increase their cash flow. I never want to reset that clock. So if they started out in a 30 and they've been paying on that mortgage for, let's say, 27 and a half, I mean, 27 and a half, if they've been paying on that mortgage for seven and a half years, I'm looking at either a 25 or a 20-year term mortgage. I'm going to push them more towards a 20 because that makes more sense because we're going to be pick, uh, cutting off two and a half years of time that they're paying on their mortgage. If they're not comfortable with that 20-year payment, 
then we'll go with a 25. But very, very rarely will I ever go back to a 30 year because I just don't like resetting that clock with them. But with that being said, I went back and reran some numbers for a 30 versus a 15 year comparison. And we'll put all these up on the on the website, but just a average, let's just say a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. I used a four and a half percent rate for a thirty year, and um, three point seven five for a fifteen year. And the interest savings or the interest difference between those two payments, assuming you don't pay a penny more at all, you pay exactly what you're supposed to pay for the full term. It's going to cost you seventy five thousand dollars more in interest. Let me. I'm just going to interject right there. All right. Because I don't think most people give two flips about that because they don't think they're going to be in that house 15 or 30 years. All right. But my answer to that is when you look at the amortization chart and understanding when you're paying your mortgage, you pay the most amount of interest during On the, the front first, end. Exactly. I, I, I do realize that. But I just – I don't know. You see more – Andrew and Mike, you see – I'm at the end. So y'all have more discussion with the people than I do. But I'm just under the impression if people see that they're going to save $75,000 over the life of this loan, they're going to pay the house off. Most of them are going to say – well, I'm only going to be in this house three years anyways. We're going to have a family or we're going to move up or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. So they're more payment conscious or or whatever at that point in time. But that's, but I may be completely off base there by saying that. But I, I don't think most people think they're going to pay their house off. They're going to live in it for 15 or 30 yeah. years. Well, you Depends some, on the people. Most yeah. people do plan on moving before. And some people buy their forever home. If this is their second or third purchase. Yep. They're looking for the long term, and yep. then that would be more of a factor, I think. But would you say that somebody who's looking for the forever home is looking more for the shorter term of rate since they are since they know what they're trying to get at and what they're trying to do? I mean, that may be a loaded question. I get that. I, I have a conversation that I'm doing right now with another client that we're talking between a seven-year and five, a seven year and a 10-year arm because they know they will not own the house more than 10 years. They yeah. know that for a fact. So at that point – we're looking at the advantages of doing an arm, which gives them the fixed payment. We're going to give them an arm. An arm. An adjustable rate mortgage. Oh, gotcha. Chris gave me the look across the table like an arm. What are you talking and about? And a leg. An egg. <laughs> I was going, man, what kind of place is this? Holy cow. I was like, he doesn't know what an arm is? <laughs> he I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So you have a client who's looking, who have, who would, would looking at doing a loan that would be fixed for a certain time period and then would adjust after that because they don't feel they're going to be in it longer than X number of years to do that. And the trade-off is they're going to get or receive a lower rate than they would with a 30-year fixed. Right. So, and I know you guys, I know you do your best to, to counsel people when they're doing that, but I just, you know, looking at it in, I'm thinking somebody's going, uh, you know, in 30 years, I'm going to save $75,000. Most people don't think beyond two to three years. At the, that's just my opinion. I don't think they look, they don't look beyond that point. Um, well, to, obviously they don't look at how many people rent and then you calculate how much they've spent renting houses. Okay. So how... Uh, how would you justify that to somebody then who's looking to buy a house and say, look, you could save $75,000 if you do this or that over 30 years or 15 years? I mean, how do you tell, how do you, how do you counsel somebody then to, to choose that? Ooh, 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 I know. Okay, go ahead. Okay, take the, make them an amortization chart post house. So let's, let's say you have a 30 year loan they paid off in 15. Show them what they can do with that house note for the next 15 years since they're not paying a mortgage with it. Bingo. And so you, Jimmy, as a consumer, that would make a difference to you to visualize that and see that? It wouldn't me, but like we established earlier, I'm a saver. So, And it's a case-by-case situation. Right. Every client's different. And it, it all depends on the questions that they're asking us 
and what their goal is for short term and long term, this isn't a conversation we have with every client by any means. Mm-hmm. It is it is driven based on what that specific client that we're we're talking to at that time is wanting to to accomplish. And I think Chris he touched on it earlier when he said a lot of people are just concerned with that monthly note. You know, if right. they can make right. that payment, then that's that, all they care about. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I I've, I've, I believe, and I just totally lost my train of thought on what what you were saying there. <laughs> to uh, to do, I know I hate that when that happens. Holy mackerel! Holy mackerel. <laughs> I had such a good point to make too. So uh, to uh, it's the first sign you're getting old. Uh, yes, I know. Well, uh, you you kind of interjected in there. Too. I don't oh. know. Go on. I'll think of it in a second here. <laughs> This this conversation typically comes up when people ask, "Hey, what what about going down to a twenty or twenty five or fifteen or 10? I know I was going to say. There you go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I'm I don't I don't see very many adjustable rate mortgages at closing, which I'm actually really surprised because if you look at the numbers, most people stay in their house between four to six years, and so they set up on these thirty year terms. And statistics tell them they're probably not going to be in that for that for that time frame. So it just amazes me that more people actually don't. I'm not advocating for adjustable rate mortgages. I'm just saying I'm surprised more people don't do them because they don't typically keep their loans that long anyways uh, to do that. So just Well, and I think they have a bad rap from the crash, you know, because a lot of people were in them because they didn't understand them because everybody, every Tom, Dick, and Harry could be a lender and a realtor and, you know, it was just misinformation. And right now, the the 30-year rates are compressed so much, there's not that much of a difference between an arm and a 30 years so people are just opting for the 30 years so we're going to jump out to a break real quick when we come back we're going to talk about the comparisons between the uh, 15 and the, tw- and the 30 real quick and then we're getting to the rest uh, a couple other topics on why people move around You've been listening to the money man mike show here on news radio 1510 wlac Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things over real estate. If you missed any of the first half of the show, you can check it out on moneymanmike.net or out on Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. The difference between a 30 and a 15, man. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What do you mean, wait, wait, wait. During the break, during the break, uh, Uh, Jimmy pulled me to the side and said that he's got a special gift for the money man, Mike, here. And uh, so before we get into that dialogue any further, I want want Jimmy to come on in here and show us what he's got. Okay. Your birthday is no time soon, right, Mike? Because if it is, I'll take credit for your birthday present. If not, it's just a present because you're a cool guy. All right. So a few weeks ago, Mike opened the show with something that uh, was a little, I I struck me as a little odd. And he said, Hey, welcome to the Money Man Mike show, Nash Vegas. Oh, hell. And uh, I was like, Really, Mike? I was like, That's just something tourists call this town. And then Andrew chimed in. She's like, Yeah. And And then David was like, yeah, and, it's, and so we were like, we're trying to pile up against him, but nobody agreed with what he just said. People, um, you hear people calling Nashville, Nash Vegas, Nash everything. Yeah, the ones that are from here. That's like, that's like going awesome sauce or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, I, listens to the show. I'm at Walmart over the weekend. Oh, yeah. all right, and I find this T-shirt that I have to give you. Now I'm in another room, so you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna grab it and head that way. I'll be here in a few seconds. I think so, you're gonna have to wear that. Yeah. Oh yes, we're gonna have to get a picture of this is, on post it on our Facebook and our website. This so is, this is gonna be like something outside of the uh, CMT fest. Okay, where's the camera? Is this it? Right here. Yeah, we got the cameras All going. Right, go. Music City. 
Yeah, Nash Vegas. Yes, yes. Now we should cut the collars and the sleeves off of it for him. Heck now, yeah. Were, just so you know, they had a Nash Vegas like in, um, what was it, like the Vegas Neon. And I was like, that is so lame. And I was like, I at least want to get him the best looking tour shirt I could find. So, excellent. yes, excellent job. I like it. You might actually see wear him this. rocking that while like he it. mows his I yard. Like I like it. Yes, that is, that's a great gift. Outstanding. Standing. I'd love Nash it. Vegas is like really overplayed, by the way, in case you didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hop on the bandwagon, too. I just simply put it out there. But the green might, might look, I like that I shirt. I like the green. The green like might it. go good with you there. So Thank you. Here, hold that up yes, against sir. you. Hold that up against you so people can see that. Boom. Out over your face. Because if I got you go. the real lame one, I'm like, yeah, he won't even wear yeah, this pi- one. Picking and grinning. Yeah. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Give us some clapping, Jimmy, over there. Yay. (laughs) I should have brought up the hee-haw music. Uh, You know what? That's so funny. Uh, My son got introduced to hee-haw. He's 16, and we watched hee-haw reruns the other night for like (laughs) hours, and he was like just dying laughing, so uh, I got to reminisce my childhood a little bit. That that show was so corny. I need to watch a hee-haw. I hadn't seen one in years. Yeah, it was so corny, you couldn't help but like it. You talk about giving a stereo a stereotype. <laughs> yes, but you know what? I mean, there was a lot of. I mean, that show it was very prominent. I mean, I grew up in Florida, and that's what we watched on Saturday night at oh, my yeah. grandparents' was mm-hmm. was Hee Haw. So my I mean, grandparents too, and I met Grandpa Jones. I have his autograph. Wasn't he on Hee Haw? Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> that and Lawrence Welk. <laughs> we would watch Hee Haw and Lawrence Welk. <laughs> so. Oh, we love you, Andrew. Wasn't he all yeehaw? Yeah. <laughs> we did have to Google one uh, Goober Pile. I couldn't remember his name. So, no, it's Goober. Goober. That's his brother. That's George Lindsay mm-hmm. is who that was. And we had to look that up. And so that showed I was actually even watching it. So we had to look it up because I was like, I know that guy's. I know who that was. So, yeah, excellent. Jimmy, thank you so much. I can't yeah. wait for Michael to wear that and uh, get, his gun, <laughs> get, get his guns out, you know, his arm guns. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, flexing it hard. <laughs> Okay. Excellent. Back to thirty year, thirty year, thirty year, fifteen years. We'll put these out on the uh, the website so you can check it out. But I mean, basically, it's peace of mind. And if you're disciplined enough, you can have the flexibility. But you can go from a. Uh, so you, as a mortgage expert, have no opinion. I base my opinion based on the individual your profile and what I see that you have demonstrated over the last several years of. So if I'm Mr. Mortgage Applicant and I'm going. I'm doing 15 year, man. I can do this. I got this worked out. But you're looking at my payment history, and you're seeing some blips and bumps and stuff. What are you telling me? And depending on where your debt to income ratio is, probably no. If it's high, no. Okay, so you're if, telling me don't do it. Now, if you've got plenty of cash, for, yeah, plenty of cash flow, you've got a bunch of residual money every month, do it. But if there's any chance, any risk, any anything, you've got some upcoming expenditures, you're going to start putting kids in school, get college and other stuff coming up, why? Why lock yourself into it? Okay. Because, I mean, you could turn around and make the payment, and instead of paying the 75000 in interest, you could turn around and pay the same loan like a fifteen, and only cost yourself $12,000 more in interest than you would if you paid it like a regular loan. So you could take the same loan – the higher rate, pay it like a 15, and you've only cost yourself an additional $12,000 in interest. Does that make sense? Yeah. And But you have all that extra flexibility, and you choose when you make the payment, the extra payment, that is. Okay. Does that make sense? So you're counseling people? That's the way I would do it. And even if it's on a, like a, a higher size loan, $400,000, you're only talking about 
costing yourself $33,000 more over 16 years. That's $2,000 a month. I mean, that's basically insurance. Peace of mind. That's the way I look at it. You've got the peace of mind to make that extra payment, to add to that extra principal if you can that month. And if you can't, then you can't. But you're not locked into where you have to make that 15-year payment. If times got tough, if someone got sick, somebody lost their job, whatever might have happened, you're not locked into that. That's the that's just the the thought process I put somebody through when they're asking me, hey, what should I go down to a 15? Should I go down to a 20? And I just tell them, hey, look, you don't have to make a decision now, but just think about it. And if you're comfortable with it, then we'll do it. But if not, you've always got the flexibility. Take the, the slightly higher term, add extra money to it every month, and you've got the flexibility and you can do it when you want to do it. If you've got the discipline. If somebody hasn't displayed the 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 financial responsibility to save and do everything, I'm not locking them into a, a higher a higher mortgage term. As far as like a, a 15 year or 20, I'm going to give them what they need. Gotcha. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, check it out on the website, moneymanmike.net. Look at the charts. And once you see the numbers, it's one of those things that it's easy. If you can read a bank statement, you can read these charts and it'll make a whole lot of sense. And it'll definitely give you a different perspective on looking at it versus saying, oh yeah, I want to do the lower rate and the higher payment. And you'll you'll definitely see a different way of looking at it. So industry lingo. Last week, we were cut off with time between appraisal and home inspection. This Keep, week, you get an arm. This week, you do get an arm. Yes. <laughs> Next week, it'll be a toe. <laughs> Who knows what it'll be the week after. But an appraisal versus a home inspection, people always ask, what's the difference? You know, what, what's what, why am I paying even for both? Well, the home inspection is where somebody's going in and they're actually looking at, you know, all the little knickknacks on... In that within the house, yeah, the mechanics. I love you know. it. I love when people say that they buy a new house and they don't need a home inspection. That that's they, crazy. They have a warranty with the house. That's that's when people say that, and I'm like, wow. First of all, do you know how many? Well, I have just seen in the past where builders have just refused to fix anything, no matter what, after closing. Oh yeah, so that's a, that's an argument in itself. Well, are they too busy to come back by and give you the runaround for a year? But I assume they think the builder's dr- uh, nailing every nail into that house and and putting every piece of plumbing or piece of wood in there. You know, the builder has subcontractors that are doing all that work, and they're typically just overseeing the work. Exactly, is what they're doing. So, you know, who's watching what they're what these subcontractors are doing itself? So, the appraisal is just going to tell you what the house is worth. It's not going to tell you if the house is built. Good. That's what the home inspection would be for. So I would always have a home inspection done. Always have a home inspection. Absolutely. And I'm sure Andrea tells her clients that every single time. I, I to, do. Absolutely. Uh, have I have do. one done to uh, to do that because even though it's a brand new house, don't mean there could be some serious, serious, serious issues that are going on with that. Um, whether there be mold or whether there be uh, just uh, some bad construction or something that wasn't done correctly. Mm, I just did a. I honestly flip houses scare me more than houses people like live in. Like, if it's freshly flipped and you go look at it, I'm like, oh, I'm really weary of what they've covered up. Yeah. Because I've sold a few where, I mean, you just wouldn't believe stuff that's in the plumbing lines, that they just threw trash in them when they were open. And I sold a house, well, we actually got out of the contract a couple weeks ago, and it had termites, which my husband happened to treat, no affiliation to me, but... um. And I happened to be the one to sell it. But we went under there, and they had done so much damage that 
when the they went had. to the termites had. Yeah. And when they went to restructure the floor, they didn't, they totally changed it from a truss system to a different kind of flooring system. And I mean, if you were just standing in there talking and moved, you could hear the floor like pop. And my contractor, who is just, my contractor's like, I can fix anything, whatever. He was like, oh, you need to tell your people to run from this house. (laughs) And he's never said that. And I feel really bad for the man flipping it because he just paid somebody to go under there that he you know, told him was a contractor that he thought knew what they were doing, and they did not. I think wow. that house is like a lemon now. Yeah, we've seen times where nothing shows up in an appraisal, but yet then you get the home inspection, and it's like eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I mean, things that you you were like, how did this not show up here? But it's they're looking at it from two totally different sides. The home inspection is going to go way further. They're going to take Even that home idea. inspectors aren't made the same. I've seen home inspections where they've missed miss stuff as well. So, oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's all sorts of crazy. You know, there's no sure, foolproof way to yeah. to get the perfect house uh, when you're sending people to look yeah. at it. Hey, we got to jump out to break. We're going to come back, pick up some more lingo, and then get into uh, if your house hasn't sold in this crazy hot market, uh, what you need to look at. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. Picking up where we left off with the industry lingo. What's the difference between good faith deposit versus uh, earnest money? A good faith deposit. That's probably something that's going to the lender to hold your rate. Exactly. Well, is what that is, or hold some sort of loan or something. Prepayment of the appraisal, basically, is what it equates to. Yeah. But. It's two totally different things. Well, earnest money's not, it's not even called earnest money deposit anymore, it's Mr. Trust money. Trust, trust money. money. That just break actually takes me into the next one with trust money versus escrow versus settlement. It's like everything just, you get these different spinoffs of closing, but yet it's. You know what word I hate in our business? Not hate it, but just so confusing. Despise it. Despise it. It's, I mean, just the word insurance, period, because there's so many different types of insurance that you get mortgage insurance, homeowner's insurance. uh, Sometimes they call hazard. Hazard. They call it hazard insurance or title insurance or, I mean, there's so many. I mean, when I'm sitting there explaining closing documents to people, I'm trying to have my my hand on my face there. I just just heard the big sound difference there. And they're like, and I'm like, you know, this is this insurance. Well, didn't I have that insurance? Well, this insurance that goes to this thing and this one goes to that one. And, you know, it's like, can we come up with something else uh, that kind of helps? Hazard insurance is the worst. People are like, why do I got to have insurance against, against a hazard? And I'm like, well, yeah, I know it's terrible terminology for that, but it's really your homeowner's insurance that we call it. Um, do y'all know why they call it hazard insurance? Does any? I mean, I'm I'm asking. So no, I don't tell, know. do tell. No, I don't know. It's no. not rhetorical. Oh, well, you should know. You're the title guy. Well, I mean, I know what it is, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it protects you against hazard in your house is really what it's for. Like when you read your mortgage or your deed of trust, it talks about, you know, like you can't store gasoline in the garage. You can't <laughs> no you meth ha- labs. You can't know meth labs and all this stuff because it's considered a hazard to the property. Am I total redneck when you say hazard and you? I should think of like the skull and crossbones, but I literally think of Dukes of Hazard every time. 
Well, that just means I think of the general like soaring through the air. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I was about to say, Jim, Every time they say hazard insurance, I think of that TV show. They probably don't have hazard insurance on that car. No. Uh, they probably can't get it after all the wrecks right. and speeding tickets they've had. But uh, so, yeah, I got a really funny story about that. <laughs> my dad, when I first moved to Nashville, my dad came up and him and my brother they saw a General Lee go by and they were like, "Oh my gosh, a General Lee!" And they they were following it. They wanted to get pictures of the General Lee, and they went out to Opryland Hotel. And they turned a corner, and it was a General League convention, and there was like oh thousands of oh them in the God. parking lot, and they're like, "Okay, kind of lost this luster now." <laughs> it's so, not the real one. It's not the. That's what. The, well, but, there well, is one permanently on um, McGavick right there by Opryland. Like Cooters, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cooters. That's, that's probably where yeah. they had the uh, oh convention. At. It was like yeah. I said, he saw it on the interstate, and he like followed it for ten miles, <laughs> and then he turned so a corner, excited. and they, yeah, so excited, and they had there, there was a thousand of them there at Cooters. That's like Coders. Elvis, and then there's like Elvis. Elvis impersonators. There we go. And oh. then they're like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, great I love here. some Waylon, too. Dude, I remember as a kid watching this thing over and over and over. Yes, they're multi-generational I, I family housing there going on in the Dukes of Hazard. They had yeah. you know, Grandpa, Uncle Jesse, they had the cousin Daisy there and, mm-hmm. and all that. So, yeah, multi-generational housing. So, it's not a new concept. It's uh, Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's it's been around for quite some time there to do that. What other lingo we got there? We're talking about. Well, you kind of hit on it right there. I don't want to get into too many because we get we can get off, way off into weeds with that. But the escrow and the settlement versus the trust. I mean, it's all basically closing. Is really what it all boils down to. We skipped over earnest money. Earnest money is basically your trust money, which is basically your good down, faith effort. Good faith effort. Your down payment on your contract. Your good faith deposit that goes to your lender is basically prepayment of your appraisal. But then the good faith deposit is that's credited towards um, you at closing, just like your earnest money is credited toward, towards you at closing. So the only thing that doesn't get credited to you at closing is your home inspection money. That's money you pay for your home inspector that goes to the home inspector, does not get credited to you at closing. But the earnest money, the good faith deposit for the appraisal does. And then obviously all that goes to settlement with Chris, the title company, whether you want to call it escrow, settlement, trust, whatever. Every state seems to call it something different, but it's all basically the same thing. I do have on my website, eastnashvilleagent.com, a under buyers, under the buyers tab, there is a link to steps to buying a home where I've sat down and just written out everything that comes to buying a house, all the steps involved, when you need money, what that money's for, everything it does to just kind of put it in layman's terms. Is that just for houses in East Nashville? That's the steps? No, that's just my website, (laughs) eastnashvilleagent.com. And I reiterate that because when I meet with buyers and they're like, well, I want to buy a house, but I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I get that literally. That's the common question. So I'm like, okay. So I start telling them the steps and then I'm like, okay, you look overwhelmed, but I promise as we go, I will reiterate and re, you know, refresh your memory on everything I'm telling you. It's like drinking from a fire hose, you know, people, they're, they got so much information coming in between what the lender's telling them, what you're telling them, what we're telling them, what everybody's just, what their friends are telling them, their family's telling them, and they just get on such information overload mm-hmm. uh, to do that. Now, Andrew's clients are always really good and happy. They were in there the other day. I think they talked way more than we actually closed uh, in there, <laughs> which is a good thing, okay, because they, they were, they had such a good rapport, they were able just to get get through that. That's the way, that's the way I love a closing to be, because that means that the whole thing's been very, very smooth along the way. Yeah. to uh, to do that. But it is important to be around people like that that know how to do this and 
because there is a lot that could go wrong, the lingo and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Maybe it's something on the contract that they just don't know that's missed. It could cost somebody thousands of dollars. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much, man. It's There's so many things. I mean, literally, it's details after details after details, and it doesn't take much to miss one. I mean, that's the unfortunate part of this business. What was the consensus last week? Rates going up again? Rates will go up. It's just a matter of how much because the bonds, even the feds have come out at uh, the end of the, the their last meeting in the minutes. They basically said that they're going to change their stance on um, reinvesting and they're going to start selling. So they're going to change the supply and demand out on the bond. I mean, out on Wall Street. So they're going to start to flood the market. Well, they won't flood the market, but they're going to start tapering that, which is ultimately going to put a supply of bonds on the market, which is going to push the rates up that we see. Which sounds like a bunch of gibberish, which to the layman's it is, but I can show you one quick screenshot and I'll post it out on the uh, the website for you guys. You see this bond chart, it makes total sense. It breaks it down quick, easy. It's very easy to understand, but yet they, just to try to hear it, it's complicated. So, like I got a news alert on my phone, which I just need to turn those things off because some of them are just... They get it all backwards and screwed. Well, and some of them are stupid, but, you know, when people see these... Uh, you know, I get an alert that says feds decide to move rates a point and a half or whatever. Yeah. And people automatically assume that that means home rates go up a right. point and a half. Exactly. Yep. Not short term interest rates would affect your credit cards. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, they specifically say short term rates. Mortgages are not short term rates. But everyone. Yeah. They everyone group, just. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a headline grabber and people yeah. and people, you know, yeah. people gravitate towards that because they hear that and they automatically assume that that's what that is. So I would also like to point out that my news app alerted me. I may have already said this, but <laughs> at like four in the morning when Justin Bieber got a DUI, my phone woke me up to tell me that with a news alert. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, really, dude? I don't want to know that. If I, that, is, uh, that is not breaking news to me. <laughs> I don't care. To somebody it is. That's just as important as an Amber Alert, right? Do you have a news yeah. app that alerts people <laughs> when the house goes on the market? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so they can get a four o'clock in the morning wake up call that the some, house that went on the market. Mine go out moment. at midnight, and I've had. Do they go out at midnight? <laughs> yeah, at midnight. It, all the ones from that day will send to the buyers, and some of them were like, "I'd get up out of bed at midnight to look and see what listed," <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I can set that to come at a different time. That's just what it automatically defaults to." And then I had people say it woke them up, but. My 16-year-old said he wants to take over my business eventually, and I'm like, okay, well, get out of law school, and then we'll talk about it. And he said, well, Dad, he goes, one thing I would change in your business is, is he goes, he goes, why don't you stay open 24/7? Because people work at nights, they should be able to close at nights. And I said, okay, well, why don't you come work the night shift at the office, and then we'll be yeah. okay. And he says, well, when I get out of law school, maybe I will do that and see if I can get a hold of that market out there. And I went. Well, the banks are closed. You know, I had to get yeah. I had to get my last word in there. You know, he goes, well, they just have to be prepared to get their money ahead of time. And uh, so, uh, you know, I guess when he gets out, of, eventually ever gets out of school, he's going to start ever. a a twenty four a twenty four hour uh, closing service there. But you know, he's forward thinking on that, and that's always the way our business is: is trying to find ways that yes. you accommodate your clients. And and because there, you know, there's a lot of people who do work. Night yeah. night shift jobs yeah. um, to uh, do that. So if they're showing houses and getting alerts at midnight, maybe they can come by and close at midnight. I'm not going to start showing houses at midnight. So no, I don't know how well that'll go. I'm away. not going to accommodate the third shift workers. Sorry. <laughs> I think your your son needs to work on getting the banks to stay open past three thirty during the week first. Well, if, if you show houses where I live at, at uh, midnight, you might get shot. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I live out in the country, so uh, it's a, it's a it'd be a little crazy there. So. 
I can see a lot of hurdles with that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you know what? I mean, but you know, the businesses are always made on people who are forward thinking like that. And so I was actually impressed that he was thinking about that and had a, had a thought about it. I don't really want to act on it, but uh, but there there's obviously a need out there for that to do that. And just like they have these apps now that alert people at yeah. different hours of the day, it's just you know what the public needs and and what what else we got covered today. Andrea, if your house is not sold in two weeks or less in this market, what's wrong? It's overpriced. Bingo. We're going to post that on the website because Jimmy's about to tell us we've got to get out of here. A, um, a post that came... What's, what do you think the average house sits on the market now, Andrew? Oh, if, it's priced, if it's priced normal and ready to go, two days, one day? Mm, maybe five. Maybe five days. It depends on where and the inventory. So yeah, I'm just kind of, of gen- generalizing. Well. Yeah, most of them priced well um, usually take two or three days. I mean, now that being said, there are some that don't make it hours, don't make it a whole day. Mm-hmm. If it's in a really hot neighborhood where inventory is low, it's probably going to sell in like two days. Yeah. From NAR, the National Association of Realtors, the, if you price it at the market value, 60% of the prospective buyers or potential buyers will see it. If you price it... 10% below market value, 75% will see it. 15% below market value, 90%. And then you go the exact opposite, you'll get down to where only 10% of your prospective buyers will actually see your property because of the way you've overpriced it. So pricing is huge. Don't get too greedy, otherwise your market, your price, your property will sit. Hey, we got to go. Uh, catch us next week. We're going to talk about... Uh, couple more things, returning your investment, things you can do in your house to uh, improve your rate of return and to help your house sell even quicker. Been Good talking. to see Money Man Mike in that uh, Nash Vegas shirt. Woo-woo. Yep. We're out of here. <laughs>